Welcome to this week's Leader's Guide for the Spring Quarter of Life Groups. This resource is provided to help you prepare and effectively lead your group. For your convenience, you can also download a written version of the guide under Life Group Leader Tools at gatewaycrc.org forward slash lifegroups. Remember to tune in each week and to look out for the weekly edition of Life Group Leaders Weekly. Let's join Adam Van Dopp now as he introduces this week's material. Well, hey there, Life Group Leaders, week six already. We are entering into the home stretch of our Life Group season in this particular semester of winter 2022. Now, I will remind you that we've scheduled a break for our ministry over the coming spring break, which is still a few weeks away, but I just wanted to make sure you have a bit of a, bit of a heads up about that. We will, however, keep preaching through this Revelation series, and we will keep providing you outlines for you to follow through our services, but we will not be preparing these discussion guides for those two weeks. Uh, so we do encourage you to plan for your surf projects in your socials and to consider booking them through those times through those two weeks that might be a great way to stay connected through that little break well why don't we jump right into our sermon guide for this coming week week number six of winter 2022 well, we first start off with looking at some getting to know you questions the first one being when you think of home what is it that you think about where and who and you know i think to myself that home is really a beautiful thing it's the place where i feel safest it's the place where i feel like i belong the most it's the place where my family is whom i i love so so crazy much uh, and you know home can be anywhere it could be on the road it could be while camping it could be in a truck that uh, we're driving to a distant place home is where my family is and uh, i wonder what it is for you Number two is, uh, what's the last thing you did that made you think, oh, that's just like how my mom or dad would have done it? Uh, you know, we all do things instinctively that we've learned from our parents, uh, and for better or worse, we, we mimic their patterns and their habits, and we see things pop up from time to time. And uh, I encourage you to enjoy this question as we explore just whom we came from. And you know, I'm, I'm often called mini-me uh, from my own father um, as he, uh, sees me and him in so many different ways and I see myself and him in so many different ways and it's rather unique and it's rather neat to see that all that kind of play out over time. Uh, launching into the quick review section, number one, looking back at your notes from this week's teaching, was there anything that particularly caught your attention, challenged or confused you? And I'd be willing to bet in this particular week, uh, knowing this, uh, the content that we're going to be traveling through through Revelation 12, knowing that the title of the message is uh, the last word on politics, uh, knowing the strife that is going through our world right now, I feel like we could have an entire discussion around this very first question. Uh, and again, I remind you, be a good student, take your notes, take your uh, passages with you, and uh, make, make sure you're paying attention, as uh, this is going to be an interesting question to travel through. Number two, this past weekend, Pastor Justin said that we are in a war with a defeated and desperate enemy. How does that inform your perspective of him and how do we respond? Again, this is going to be another real neat question for us to explore as uh, this has been a very interesting passage to journey through. We'll then read through the God story through the triads as we read Revelations 12 verses 1 through 10, looking at God, the world, and me, where we all find ourselves within this particular um, portion of scripture. And again, uh, if those are three questions too many, I encourage you to reduce it down to what strikes you about this passage as you read it together. And even then, that you get some interesting feedback and comments. Into the digging deeper portion, uh, as we start peeling back the layers of the ending of this text, let's look at reading Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. The birth-giving woman and the death-dealing beast symbolize the best and worst we can imagine, life being given and life being taken. In this opening passage of chapter 12, where then do we see hope? 
Well, the whole of Revelation 12 can be quite the difficult read in that it comes across as very doom and gloomy as the imagery of a baby-eating dragon appears. An unfolding cosmic battle between heaven and hell begins and a very angry devil commits to never rest. However, Revelation serves also to offer the seven churches hope in Christ that he will in fact come to lead and protect all those who bear his seal for himself. But, but as you look at Revelation 12, we, we see that commentators here are torn between what the woman really represents. Is it Mary, the mother of Jesus? Is she an image of the nation of Israel? Is it even Eve, the mother of all humanity? Well, this detail I don't want you to get lost too far in as the narrative unfolds is more important than the small little details within it to a degree. But we need to see in this portion of text that it is the child that is in fact born and the beast is present awaiting opportunity to end its life, thereby dashing all hope for God's people. So to answer this question, we see hope in two different places. The first is when the child is to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And the second is where the child is preserved as he is caught up to God and to his throne. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit more about the rod of iron in the next little subpoint question. But as this terrifying beast emerges, full of apparent power, you represented in the horns and prestige um, uh, seen in the diadems or the crowns, well, it was thwarted by God who protected the child and the woman. And nothing was going to stop God's plan for, for salvation, even this angry beast who was upset upon uh, this destruction. So read. As a follow-up question, read Psalm 2, verses 7 through 9, and Revelation 2, verses 26 to 27. And use your minds as you think about this one. What do you suspect the rod of iron has to do with the having hope in Christ? Well, so remember that we're talking here about a first century audience who haven't discovered yet much about the hard metals that are fully available to them as we have today. So iron, uh, a hard metal that they had, which they had limited access to, was the hardest metal that they knew about. It was the most durable and long-lasting metal. It's what they made their swords from if they had the ability to, and even then it was fairly limited. This is the thing that they used to defend themselves in the best way possible. But this rod of iron that is now referred to, or an iron scepter, is symbolized in these moments as this unyielding, impenetrable, uh, forever lasting reign of Christ. And so this child that is born, it would be his reign that would last forever. It would be his reign that would be like the iron scepter, the iron rod, the unbreakable, unpenetrable uh, device used to reign and to protect. And really, it's a reminder of what we read in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, where it says there, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. You see, John is telling the early Christians here that their hope cannot lie within their local rulers, that their Jewish leaders, nor within the oppressive Roman tyrants. And for us, our hope cannot be in church leadership or our school principals or be in our local, provincial, or federal politicians. Uh, past Jewish teachers and leaders, modern politicians, teachers, pastors, and politicians will all fail and they will all pass away. But John tells us in this moment, as we reflect upon the rod of iron and even that he shall reign forever and ever, that Christ's reign will never cease, that he will be our king, he will be our prophet, he will be our priest forever and ever, and that will never come to an end. So then travel into number two, read Revelation 12 verses 7 through 9 and Luke 10 verses 17 through 20. So given our rather uncertain and unpredictable times of 2021 and 2022, how do Christ's words of nothing will harm you affect you? 
So as a bit of a discussion note, I would, this I think would be a good thing to do as you lead into reading the, the chapter of Luke 10. As you look at the passage from Luke, be sure to establish the context that Jesus here at verse 1 commissioned the 72 missionaries to travel ahead of him to the cities and towns that he was preparing and planning to go to. These missionaries were given instructions for how they were to engage with the people that they were to encounter, to express God's peace, to heal the sick, but also to expect and embrace the hospitality from those whom they minister to. Well, Jesus tells them that they they would encounter places that would not also accept their message. And then at verse 17, we hear of their return and, and they're excited, they're exuberant about what they were able to do in Christ's name. They even exclaim that even the, 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 the evil spirits come left at their command. And, and so Jesus tells them what has happened, that it has been Satan's power has been cut off, that he'd been cast out of the kingdom of heaven like the thunderbolt of lightning being cast down. And also those within the kingdom of heaven would also have power over him. And so as they and as we are going about our mission to seek and save the lost, well, there's going to be nothing out there that's going to hurt us. So this is where I then I encourage you as leaders, just, just reflect on Isaiah 43 verse 2, which communicates a similar sentiment, where Isaiah there writes, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, they sh- you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. And each of these, these things, the waters, the rivers, the fires, the flames, well, these are all things that could quickly cause our demise. But what the uh, Isaiah there, the author, is alluding to is that although they may cause your demise, they will not cause your end. And so while we may physically be hurt in the process, uh, we will be spiritually preserved and sustained. You see, death will not be our end, but it really will really be our new beginning. And so consider again in this context what Pastor Justin talked about when it came to the situation in Ukraine. That, and this Gospel Coalition article that was written by this man named Vassal. Um, in the actual printed guide there, I put a, a link in the text. And if you click that link, you'll get to the, the, the actual article. And I encourage you to read it because it's, it's, it's really eye-opening and thought-provoking. As, as we read about this Ukrainian pastor, husband, father of four, uh, say that he's planning on staying to serve the people of Kiev in this tragic time, saying that if the church is not relevant at a time of crisis, then it is not relevant in a time of peace. You see, Vassal is preparing to travel uh, through these tumultuous waters, these rivers, these fires, and these flames, knowing full well that those things could very much end his life. But he understands the words of Matthew 10 verse 39, that for those who give up their lives, they shall gain it. And as of course, Christ's promise to sustain us in a spiritual sense as he brings us closer to himself. Then I encourage you to jump into number three, read Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 through 17, where we see Satan was unceremoniously tossed out from heaven. And as you read this passage, how do you see him respond? How would you describe his actions and his intentions? So in Revelation 12 verse 9, it says that this great dragon was thrown out of heaven, that he was bounced out, that he was unceremoniously tossed out of heaven. And this this morning as I was writing all this out and thinking about this, I was picturing a, a rock being tossed into a lake. It's something that I do with my kids whenever we're uh, by any kind of body of water, whether it's a lake here in, in Abbotsford, a river uh, that we're biking alongside, or, or the ocean that we're camping at, uh, hopefully again sometime soon. 
um, picturing this rock that you, you pick up off the ground and it's simply picked up. It's held in your hand for only a moment. It's then uh, by your arm, it's launched into an arc and that rock disappears into the water never to be seen again. You see, you see uh, possibly its ripple effect, but even those ripples quickly peter out and the water remains uh, once again still. Well, God, through, the, through Michael, the angel, and a whole host of other angels, fought the devil, and at the end, in his defeat, they simply took his remains, tossed them out of heaven, watching him arc out as he was cast out, and with a splash, he descended into the waters in the depths below. So while this, this war in and of itself is pretty eventful, the tossing, well, it, it, it isn't eventful. It's just a removal of this guy from a place that he did not, did not belong in. You see, salvation had won, deliverance had occurred and it was time to carry on. However, this, this ripple effect though, it, it continued. And this devil, this serpent, this dragon is upset from being tossed. And from the depths, he plans his revenge. But like that rock at the bottom of the lake, this, this devil, this dragon is incapable of having a lasting and permanent impact and effect upon the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so while we know that things can in fact get worse, and he's going to try his hardest, he will, in fact, completely lose. This is what we see eventually as uh, the pages of Revelation continue. So a little subpoint question here. Read Genesis 3, verses 14 and 15. Revelation 12 makes up a portion of the fulfillment of the curses placed upon the serpent after the fall. Where do you see this enmity as a reality in our world today? And so the serpent was in the, there in the, the tree, in the Garden of Eden. He saw Eve approach and invited her to taste the fruit of the tree as she was instructed to stay clear of. And so she took it and she ate it and she gave it to Adam and then Adam did as well. And they saw their nakedness and their, their depravity there in that moment for the very first time. As they were tempted with this power and prestige, similar to that which this, the beast with the seven heads and the ten crowns had at the beginning of her passage. And they were distracted through the schemes of the devil and they lost sight of the Lord and his plan. And the Lord's response was that of a series of curses for all three parties involved now, both, both for Adam and Eve and now for the serpent as well. And from here on, there would be a hostility that would be between the serpent and all the entirety of creation. You see, at this point, he's lost all his power. He's lost all his control. And as scripture continues to unfold, we see the serpent try his best to accuse, to distract, and to cause death, to cause the separation between man and God to be further and further and further. And he's doing this in order to reestablish and to regain that very power and control that he had and once lost and now lost. And so in our world now, we see a lot of unrest. There's wars, there's rumors of wars, there's political unrest, there's civilian divisiveness and polarization. And so I, I've included here an additional quote in question and I encourage you to do this one, and even off the top of your head with your group that's unprepared with this one, uh, jump into this one, where we see uh, a quote from C.S. Lewis. So consider what C.S. Lewis writes in the Screwtape Letters as the allegorical collection of letters of advice from a senior devil to a lesser devil say. And this is what uh, the, the, the senior devil writes. He says, murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is a gradual one, the general slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. So how is this description of the devil's work different than what you have just been talking about? Because we've, we've just been talking about wars and rumors of wars, political distress and civilian disobedience and polar, polarization, all this crazy stuff that is happening in our world on a grand scale. 
But really, the devil's, yes, he's using all of these incredibly large events to distract us from, uh, you know, the reality that we are God's children. But he's also using small, little, minute, little things in order to generate division and to slowly lull us away from our awareness of God's good and right hand that is guiding us through life. Well, how do we see the Lord work in both large sense, which is an easy answer, especially nowadays, but also in a smaller sense, which might be a tougher way to answer? How are we personally now affected by the work of the devil and the schemes that he is causing? So I encourage you to try and weave that into your discussions as you guide them this coming week. Finally, we take it home. And this is usually the the typical uh, highest degree of risk type question that we ask. So read Revelation verses uh, sorry, chapter 12, verse 17, and 1 Peter 5, verse 8. We see here that we are included in this unfolding drama as the rest of her offspring uh, points to all of the followers of Christ. Our response here is to counter the work of the, the evil with the word of testimony, the word of witness. Who will you then bear witness to? How can your life group pray for you as you do so? And so now as Revelation 12 comes to a close, we're drawn into a picture of those ripples in the water trying to gain strength, trying to last longer, trying to make a bigger difference, to slowly turn from this little ripple to a wave and eventually a tsunami of turmoil and evil. This this dragon there, now on the shore, now on the sand, huffing and puffing, full of rage and fearful of his full own demise, he seeks war upon all of the, the offspring of the woman. And John quickly tells us that all who follow God's commands are in fact her offspring and therefore the recipients of the war that this devil now intends to begin. And you and I, we are those whom he's waging war with. Now also could jump back a little bit with me as we reflect once again on the fifth trumpet blast in Revelation 9 verses 1 through 6. This blast unleashed the fearsome locusts who, who did not bear Sorry, this blast unleashed the fearsome locusts upon those who did not bear the seal of God. Now combine these two pictures together and we begin to see that those who bear the seal of God are protected from the wrath of the dragon. And now consider in your circles, those whom are in your family, those whom you work with, those in your classes at school, those who are your neighbors, the ones that as you're taking garbage out, you're waving to in the mornings. Well, who might of them not be bearing the seal of God? Who might the Lord be using you to protect and to confirm as his own? You see, ultimately what Revelation is getting at is, one, that yes, God wins, but that God has invited you and I to enter into a season of mission of our whole lives to seek and to save those who are lost. Otherwise, we see pretty clearly their demise and and their removal and their loss. And God says, no, 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 I want them all to be mine. I don't want any, anyone to lose. So you and I, you and I, we are commanded to go out to, into this world to seek and to save the lost. And uh, we are the ones that uh, God can use to protect them from the, the ways of the evil one. That is a lot to talk about, my friends, and uh, man, I appreciate the work that you are doing uh, through these weeks and months as we carry on through this, this series. Uh, so at this point, I invite you to, you to close your time of your meeting with your members, to close in a time of prayer, chatting through the ongoing prayer needs, updating on each other on where things are at with the things that you've been praying for. And at this point, I would also encourage you to pray for those whom the Lord is sending us to and, and use names of the people, use uh, knowledgeable uh, things that we can actually do so that the Lord can speak to us in, in those prayers. 
Well, leaders, once again, thank you for the work that you do. Uh, we will talk and see you again. And if you have anything that you need to ask a question about, don't be afraid to reach out to Pastor Jessica and myself. Blessings to you too uh, on this week ahead. See you.